Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who comforts us this day. Christ our Savior is born. In the name of Jesus, amen. And so God has come down from heaven. What a wonderful thing to think of as we consider this gift that God has given, this pivotal moment in all history where God begins to make all things new. As God brings us into the new creation by sending the second Adam to dwell in this world, to fulfill all righteousness, to do what every man has failed to do, and to become the sin bearer so that we might live in forgiveness and everlasting life. We have to consider how this event changes everything. The words of our gospel lesson echo the first words in the Bible as we have Genesis 1, we hear, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we have the words that are the core of all truth. God has created everything. There's nothing that has not been made by God. There's nothing you can see, smell, taste, touch, hear, or experience. There's nothing that you can look out in space. There's nothing that you can look up in a microscope that has not been made by God through his power and his gracious will. God has made all things, and he has put all things in their proper order and in their proper place according to his perfect character and his perfect will. So we see this clearly in the days of creation. Just for example, God says on the first day, let there be light. And what does he do immediately after that? He puts the light in its proper place. He separates the light from the darkness. He divides day and night. And the light is meant to shine. The darkness is meant to vanish as the light displaces it. And that is the work of God. It's logical, it's orderly, it's good, it's beautiful. Everything falls into its appropriate and appointed place. And when it does God's beauty and God's wisdom, they shine forth. And this wisdom, this logic, this creativity, this orderliness have a word that captures its full reality. It's called the Logos. And that's the word that we're shown in John chapter 1. We meet something called the divine Logos. As we read in the first verses of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. And that the Word in Greek is the Logos. The Word is maybe a little bit of an oversimplification the spoken word of God, but it's much more. It is, it is the wisdom of God. It is the reason of God. It is the order and beauty of God. It's the logic of God. Logos is the work, a root word of the word logic. It's where we, we get the words that end in ology, like theology and anthropology from this word. It's, it's the knowledge of theos, God. It's the knowledge of anthropos, man. And it means knowledge of these things. Logos is the ultimate knowledge. It is the reason. It is the root. It is the basis of everything that is known and can be known. It is true wisdom. It is the true word of God. And with God, it is eternal. 
He is eternal. Because we live in a time where the living Logos now has flesh. The eternal logic and wisdom and beauty and orderliness and creativity and goodness of God takes on flesh and bone, a body and blood. But as we live in this world where now the Logos is made flesh, that Logos is under attack. And him is the light and life of men. That's what we read in John just now. These are God's created and orderly things. Light and life. We remember the first day God created light. On the sixth day, God gives life to mankind. And evil is what seeks to undo the work of God's divine logos. The devil tempts man to sin. Sin stands up against the will of God, and the wages of sin is death. And so the devil, rebellion, sin, death, these are the anti-logos. Instead of light and life, they shine forth in darkness and death. St. Paul talks about the darkness of sin. In Romans 1, he says that sin is the denial of God. He says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they came futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. He also says that that darkness is manifest in evil behavior. As he says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruits of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, the Logos. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret, but anything is exposed by the light. It becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. When we examine ourselves, when we read that text, we think about the light and the darkness, we have to confess maybe that that darkness of sin exists in us. We are not the ones who fulfill God's divine will and logos. We often, according to our sinful flesh, rebel against it. As our hearts are darkened and the lovelessness and human irrationality of sin, as sin sees God's gifts of husband and wife and despises them because it gets in the way of selfish pleasure, or sin sees God's gift of children as an inconvenience to financial freedom and success, or sin looks at the worship of God's church and desires to remake it, to be more pleasing to our passions and appetite, as sin hates authority, sin grows angry when God's word challenges it, sin is darkness, the anti-logos. 
And it stands against God's order, God's reason or his logic, God's beauty and goodness. Humanity, sometimes we live in the grasp of that anti-logos. We're bound by it in slavery. And this makes God an enemy and a stranger to us, an enemy that wants nothing more than for us to be reconciled to him. That's why St. John's epistle says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's desire, God's work in sending his divine logos into the world is to bring us out of the darkness and bring us into the light of life. How does he do this? He does this. How does he shine the light of life upon us once again? Well, we just read it. The word is made flesh and makes its dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. The logos is made flesh. The beauty, the wisdom, the glory and the truth of God have been made man. And in this event, creation has its second beginning. A second genesis begins. As we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now we have, in the beginning, there was the word. Where the fall and the sin corrupts and attacks the first creation, this event begins to restore it. As the new creation is brought about by reconciliation that we have in the blood of Jesus. God forgives sinners. And through the death of his son upon the cross, God reconciles himself to sinners. And that, that's what the birth of the child in the manger is all about. We often tend to lend to this event less credit than it's due. As we think of the birth of Jesus as maybe uh, in our own popular imagination as a, a precious moment's nativity scene or a sappy greeting card or some hallmark Christmas event, it's so much more. It is the single most important thing that has ever happened or will ever happen. As all things in creation, everything that has ever happened or will happen depends on this event. We count our years in history based on this event. And it's because of this very reason that creation actually takes place. God makes the creation so that he may dwell with us, his creatures. God desires for his dwelling place to be with man, to redeem man from the darkness. These are some of the last words that we read in the Holy Scriptures. In the book of Revelation, it says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them forever. The Creator becomes a creature so that he might delight in his creatures and love his creatures. 
In his flesh he restores what sin destroys so that his creatures may live with him forever. His body is made to be destroyed upon the cross so that when he is raised, our bodies may be glorified with his as we will pass through death into the glory of his resurrection. We read in Colossians, as we read it last night in our program, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard dwelling in the light, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And so we are not made and remade for alienation and death, but eternal fellowship with God. The word is made flesh. The central and most important reality that we embrace is the reality that saves us. This is the event by which all history is defined. It is the light that scatters the darkness. It left to the darkness, the creation would eventually be undone. That's the prevailing theory in the unbelieving world, by the way, as the world says that all of creation is a cosmic accident caused by the Big Bang, and that life happened by chance through millions of years of evolution, and the world, the world says that death is necessary for progress so that those unfit for survival will be weeded out of existence. And the world believes that eventually the universe will succumb to entropy, that all the suns will burn out, that all matter will be broken down, and all that will be left is cold darkness. And the world propagates this message of hopelessness by how the world lives. Rather than deny the flesh and the darkness, the world embraces it. The world clings to it and makes it into a gospel that must never be denied. And so the gifts that the world clings to are those things that give man pleasure so that they can be distracted from the darkness. Hearts embrace the darkness. As Stephen Hawking the famous physicist once said, Heaven is a fairy tale invented by those who are afraid of the dark. And if you actually study the man's life and how he thought and how he lived, even with all of his disabilities, he lived as one who loved darkness. And when we have been given, it's not something that causes us to have this hopeless view of life this hopeless outlook upon the creation where it will eventually succumb to entropy. But we've been given something so much greater. We know that life in this creation is not meaningless. As St. Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. And that means that you're not afraid of the dark, but in the incarnation of Jesus, as the Logos is made flesh, you have conquered it. The darkness scatters as Christ comes into the world. 
St. Paul says, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ have made you into something greater than mere cosmic accidents facing death and cosmic entropy. You are a child of the eternal God, and your destiny is bound to his through your faith in him. You have been incorporated into the very body of the divine Logos, and you have been born again into Jesus Christ. That's what we read in John 1 this morning. It says, to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And you have been reborn into the light of the divine wisdom of God. And that means that you are not an object of decay and darkness and death. It means that you have been made and remade according to God's purpose and that God's will for man and his creation is beauty and light and life. Not the fleeting and meaningless life that the world embraces, but the eternal life of the Son of the living God. That life of darkness is being put to death. It is crucified with Christ. And you have not been created and recreated to be overcome by darkness. But Jesus says, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And this abundant life as a member of the divine Logos is beautiful. This side of eternity, we live it out by faith. It is lived in receiving the gifts of Jesus that forgive our sin. That's where life is. It is where the word of God works faith and forgiveness in sinners so that they know the true and living God. From that faith and forgiveness, good things come. The fruits of faith grow under the light. As you can imagine, a, a bit of desert covered and shrouded in darkness, all of a sudden glowing and blossoming with the fruits of the earth. As the tree of life sprouts up in the midst of it, and nothing but life can exist. Faith provides fruit. Darkness bears the fruits of the flesh, as St. Paul says. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and all things like these, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're the works of darkness. But the fruits of the Spirit that are born of the light of the divine Logos are better in every way. As I said, but the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so we, as we live as members of the divine Logos, we live by repentance and faith. We gather where the word of God is preached. We find rest where the word of God gives comfort. We find rest where God's pardon for sinners is delivered to the faithful. We remember the washing and rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit as we live in the grace of God lived through and given through our baptism. 
And in a minute, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. That word made flesh, given to us as a foretaste of the feast to come. In all of these things, we have life poured into us by the power of the Holy Spirit as we live in this rebirth under the word and the promise of Jesus. As Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. You live in this new birth. You have received a new life in Christ. You are adopted as sons of God and heirs of Christ. You are heirs of light. You are heirs of life. And your life is made beautiful in him. God is born of a woman so that we might be born of God. And as we have been born of him, we reject the darkness of the anti-logos. But we live in the light of Christ. We live in the gospel of Christ. We live in the mercy of our Savior who was born to save us from our sins. We live by repentance and faith. We live by the one who has conquered death for us. We live by faith in Jesus who has saved us from our sins. And as we do so, we have life to the fullest. This is what you were created for. This is what you are recreated for. Life as a child of God. Eternal life in the light of Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Logos that was made flesh. As the Son of God has come down from heaven, we now pray that you raise us up to heaven through the power of his life, death, and eternal resurrection. Give us the fullness of this life and the light of Christ as we live in your kingdom here and now by faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the one true faith, the life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen. We rise.